Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Dr. Debbie just came running into the studio here with some exciting news. We'll find out about it in just a couple of seconds here. I understand in just a few minutes we're going to be having this guy on who's designed a pet chastity belt. That's correct. I can't really put my head around that. Yeah, if if you don't want to get them spayed that early or there's health reasons they can't be spayed, this kind of protects them from getting pregnant. Okay. Well, there's a when there's a will, there's a way. So I'm curious <laughs> to see if this will work. <laughs> That's for sure. So now tell me about uh, your news. You just came running in here with some oh. exciting news just before we went on the air. Yeah, this goes in, down in the, the like uh, the whole history of cool and interesting things that veterinarians get excited about. Yes. And um, so I saw a female dog today, and she actually, believe it or not, has a little bit of a what we call a vestigial penis. So she appears to be a hermaphrodite. So he, um, it's a he she dog well it's a girl and i don't know all the details of where she was spayed or how old and all that but when i looked at her um she's having a lot of vaginal infections i looked down there and she's got about a oh about a half an inch long what we'd call um a vestigial penis so her girl parts have actually enlarged so it's really kind of cool not commonly seen and some dogs are actually born that way with a genetic makeup for having some of the girl parts and some of the boy parts and then there's some conditions kind of more what we think with her is that she's had some hormones that are being developed abnormally in her body and that may be resulting in this kind of growing if you will Mm. so it's kind of cool a little bit of you know interesting things anytime we see boy or girl parts bigger than they should be we always look at things like hormone creams a lot of people use and that can actually increase some of the size of the mammary areas or the the vaginal areas in the female dogs do you think um, that was related in this particular case does not sound like it in this case but this dog we're working um uh doing a workup for more of a adrenal gland problem and the adrenal gland can produce some sex hormones so we think that may be the clue of that's tying everything in together but it's just an oddity it's kind of curious and you know it's it's just, you know, the dog doesn't know, doesn't mind, sure. but uh, us veterinary types are like, oh, this is cool. What kind of dog is it? She's a, uh, actually a Labrador mix. Is this the first time you've seen this in your practice? No, I've seen a few others that were really truly born that way. And uh, those we typically noted when they were spayed when they were younger. And it was just kind of an interesting thing and never really affected their health. Um, but yeah, it's just... Strange, odd, and interesting. Do you spay or neuter this animal? <laughs> she is already spayed. So actually all of her uh, reproductive parts are gone. So yeah, it's really a matter of getting her hormones under control by controlling the underlying problem, which we believe is Cushing's disease. So oh, wow. that's what we're hoping to figure out. Very strange, very bizarre. Is she young or old? She's about seven, eight years of age. So uh, she's not really old. So it just developed or she had this all along? Yeah, it seems like this just developed here um, in recent months. Um, we, nobody's ever noticed it before. She's not had problems before. So, um, you know, some of that we may not know because we nobody actually looked uh, or saw anything sticking out of there that shouldn't have been there. So it's kind well, of... That is uh, strange and bizarre. Yeah, well, thank yes, you for sharing that with us. I appreciate I know. it. You're, you guys are like, why is that so cool? And I'm like, everyone around here is going, oh, my God, that's so cool. Dr. White's got a dog. Uh, 
female dog with a, a pee-pee. You know what? I think that is cool. I I, think... it's, it, it is. I'd look at the pictures. I think it's curious. I'd be interested to see it. You and know? I, I thank mean, you for sharing it with us, too, because yeah. we would have never heard. I did not know that existed, but apparently yeah. it does. Okay. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, you can do that by calling directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. In just a few minutes, uh, I think I already mentioned this, we're going to talk to a guy who's developed a pet chastity belt, and that's just right around the corner. So we'll answer some calls, and we'll go talk with this guy. How's that sound? Sounds marvelous. Hey, Gary, how are you doing? Hi, how are you doing today? Good. Where are you calling from? From Santa Maria, California. Oh, yeah, listening on KSMX, I believe. Yeah. Well, how are you doing? How can we help you today? Well, a couple questions. Um... She, uh, actually, when I play with her, she has a tendency to nip. What, what, are we and talking about a dog? Yeah, a puppy. What kind of? Uh, not the mean way, but she's a five-month-old uh, German Shepherd puppy. And, okay. Um, so she's just a I little her, baby then. Yeah. When I got her, she was the last one out there, and, they, um, and she was with um, some older dogs. And there was, she was, the, the, they let her play with older dogs. Okay, and, good. All right. Yeah. And so, um, and so I was watching her and the, the do- she was like wrestling with older dogs. And so I don't know if that was good or bad or what. But so she like, you know, like when I play with her, she'll like, um, she'll like knit me in the thighs and, um, and the arms, and especially okay. when she's excited. Okay, so when you're playing with her, she's nipping you in the thighs and the arms. Um, what kind of play are you doing with her at that time? Just like with a ball. Uh, like I'll play with the ball, and then when she comes back, she'll like go like that, and she'll like, you know, like nip me in the thigh. She'll bring it to me, okay. and then, then she'll like all of a sudden, she'll like nip at me. Like almost like hurry up, like, you know. Uh, like like that. Okay. And then what do you do? Do you, do you keep on playing when she does this, or um, what, what's happening? Are you getting excited? What, what? No, I, I I don't get excited. I don't get mad at her. I don't get okay. excited with her or anything like that. You know, I I don't I don't scold her or anything like that because I know she's just a puppy. Okay. So you, know, so you keep on playing then when she does that. Yeah. That's what yeah, I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. And you said she was biting you in the thigh, and where else? Um, and she, uh, just, uh, in the, th- in the thigh. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've and got a young puppy here. Her mom in the arms sometimes when she plays in the legs. Okay. So we, we have a young puppy with a, a lot of energy and, um, it's certainly good to do, um, some play activities where we can give them an outlet to, to burn off some of that energy. What we do have to watch for is f- for these negative behaviors. So nipping is a normal puppy behavior, but this is in the wrong context. So this is an inappropriate situation, and we need to show her and teach her um, what we do want her to do at that time. Now, you, you reference back to how she was raised with other dogs. So dogs do yeah. learn what we call bite inhibition, and they learn it um, best from their litter mates. So other animals of their age and size, as they're growing up in a litter, when they're playing, if you watch puppies play, they'll nibble, they'll play, and then all of a sudden you'll hear, "Ah!" and then they stop, and everyone kind of stares around like, okay. The line was crossed, and they tell each other in that manner. And then 
then they move on. So in, in some ways for a young puppy, they need to know that boundary. If they haven't learned that through their siblings or through play with other adult dogs that teach them the, that line not to cross, then we have a dog that doesn't know when it's appropriate to, to bite. Now, we may have also, in your pup's case, a little bit of excitement um, eliciting this. So as we're playing, if she's getting more more worked up and excited, it just kind of comes out. And uh, that's where we would need to recognize when that bite, that nip is about to happen. So uh, that's your job is to figure out, okay, we play ball for five passes and then I usually get bit. So that's when you would need to say, okay, we're going to cease play at this time before this happens. And also watching her overall excitement level. If she gets too amped up playing ball, which is a, a high prey drive uh, type game, it's, it's tell- basically, you know, having an animal chase something is within their prey instinct. So um, if she's getting too worked up, we might say, okay, we'll just play ball for a little bit and then we'll move to something else. The other thing that you can do is to really make sure that you're really solid on her basic obedience skills. And at five months of age, she could be a student of obedience. And if you're not already in a puppy class, I definitely yeah, recommend I it. Started, I just started a puppy class like about, what, what would you say? We start two sessions. Okay. So the most important thing that you, that you and she will get out of obedience class is that she will learn the cues that you want her to to perform a behavior, that you're going to ask her to do something, and you're going to reward her for those behaviors. And that's going to far be more valuable than giving any yeah, kind of yeah. negative correction in the time when she's nipping you. So that's yeah. what we really need to have a foundation of. Exactly. So we have to have a foundation of basic obedience skills first. So she needs to know how to come to you, how to do something calm like a down or a stay. And you need to make sure that's in your toolbox of dog training to start with. And then as far as knowing what her kind of level of activity. And there are some dogs that are so amped up playing ball, um, playing different games that you have to almost wear them out before you do that. So that might mean um, playing at the park. It might mean going jogging. It might be doing something else that's going to wear her down first because if you do have a dog with a lot of energy these bad behaviors they just kind of slip in into everyday life and it's very easy so i would ask you to kind of find those opportunities when you are playing ball to not every time keep throwing the ball have her come back and ask her to do a a sit or a down and pull out a treat out of your back pocket (laughs) and then you pull a treat out of your back pocket and you reward her because we both work with her so here Here's my mom. Okay. All right. Nice. So we okay, need nice. to, uh, to call. Well, super. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we're just, so what we're going to do is I'm just going to stay on the line with you because I can't keep hopping back and forth. We're on live radio here. <laughs> so oh, oh, so wow. what we were just talking about is we're going to be working on giving her um, a reward for calm, quiet behavior. So in the time that she's playing or even around the house, we want to get her into a down or a stay and reward her with a really delicious dog treat or even okay. a, maybe a little piece of cheese and find okay. those opportunities when she is calm and quiet. And that's what we want to reward. If she starts to get yeah. amped up playing with the ball or playing in some other manner and you see the nipping coming out, you've gone too far and you need to make sure you cease that behavior and that play before okay. she gets to that point. Because uh-huh. um, you can't really okay. teach a dog when they're in an excited state. They just It's just comprehension doesn't get through there. Oh, so. it is. I'm telling you, it's been tough. Nobody knows. I've had a lot of dogs, but this is tough. Hey. 
you're talking to people who have, I've had a hyper dog. I've had two Labradors. So um, energy is not uncommon. What we need to do as pet parents is we need to find the outlets for them to expend that so it doesn't turn into an unwanted behavior. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800-451-1359. That's 800-451-1359. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Your dog's favorite treat company is now in the kibble business with the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. Your dog loves meat and Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. Thanks Red Barn for underwriting Animal Radio. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets, and as uh, spring has definitely set in here at least. Don't know about where you are, but uh, summer's just around the corner. That means taking the animals out, having a lot of fun with them too, mm-hmm. and that may be camping with them. Take them cam- I love to take the dogs camping, but I also like to take them boating, and that's a big thing. I make sure that you know they stay on the boat usually. For <laughs> that's the most, a good thing. For the most, well, you know, the bigger dogs, they, they like to swim. Yeah, they jump off. But Ladybug's too small for that. So I put her a little, I have a little life vest that I put on her. It's the cutest little thing. From BoatCenter.com, we have Jen Seitz joining us. Hi, Jen. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Very well. So are you noticing good. more and more people are now bringing their animals, their dogs in particular, on the boat with them than before? Absolutely. I think people really want their pets, especially their dogs, to be with them in all of their activities, and especially when they go boating. So I think we see a lot more. And social media, you see people you know, posting pictures on Instagram of dogs on boats, and it sort of um, is a trending thing right now. Yeah. How safe is that? Um, it is safe. I mean, all of boating requires some attention to safety, um, so it doesn't stop with just people. You, you know, you have to consider safety when it comes to your pets as well. And so what, um, but with a little precaution, you know, it's a safe endeavor. I want to make sure I'm doing it right. I have a life jacket. What else should I be worried about? Um, well, I would say that you have to consider your pet. So each pet is different. Each, if we're talking about dogs, each dog is different. Some dogs are less phased by loud noises or unfamiliar surroundings, and others are more so. So you have to consider your dog. And sometimes a test run is a good idea. But, you know, considering that sometimes a boat, when it starts up, is very loud. That's one consideration. 
so I think, you know, getting them familiar and seeing how they react to their surroundings is a good start. You mean before you go out the first time, let them kind of hear the boat's motors and noises and, and inspect the boat? Exactly, exactly. Let them get comfortable. And then if you find that your particular dog is really not warming up to the scenario, then maybe it isn't a good, you know, idea for your dog in particular. I think in boating, planning ahead is, is always a good idea, and especially when it comes to your pets. So um, one good thing that I recommend to people is to have a first aid kit. Um, so having, you know, if something were to happen or you do have a need, you have some self-clinging bandages, some muzzle or strips of cloth if, if needed, um, a nylon leash, phone numbers of your vet, your vet or an emergency clinic, <clears throat> or even a poison center are good to have. Um, your pet's medical records, and, you know, basic first aid supplies. I always have to ask, how do they go to the bathroom on a boat? Very good question. Ideally, what you want is to have a potty area designated with potty pads that your pet can use. You should have, obviously, pet waste bags and paper towels and odor neutralizers. Um, And this is also, I think, where the test run comes in. Um, to sort of get your dog familiar before you go out with a group of friends and you're on an eight-hour expedition, mm-hmm. it's better to find out, you know, maybe one-on-one with your pet, how they're going to react and, and let them know what they need to do, you know, beforehand. I always hear every year about these dogs that get sick from the fungus in the water or get sick from stuff in the water. Drinking the drinking, lake drinking, water. Drinking, drinking yeah. it and just being in it. That's a really great point. I mean, a lot of lakes and certain canals, if you're if you're ocean front and you're going into the intercoastal or into canals, they can create have harmful bacteria for dogs. So you want to be careful and make sure that you sort of preemptively kept them keep them hydrated with fresh drinking water so that they're not as tempted to drink the water. And if you know that your dog is prone to do that, you might want to just keep them on the boat. Good planning there. Okay, the website is BoatCenter.com. Jen, thank you so much for hanging with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. There you go. I already do a lot of that stuff there that she was talking about, with, uh, well, especially with Ladybug. I'm very, very, very protective about Ladybug, especially when she's on the boat, because so many things can happen. I think if she fell in, she'd be like a snack for <laughs> any kind of fish, big yeah. fish down there. Yeah, she, she would. She's, yeah. she's a one-biter. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jackie, watching my cat trying to crawl into a box. (laughs) She's knocking crap everywhere. (laughs) She scared herself out of the box. Can she actually fit in the box? I don't even think she could fit in that box. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice if I would finally load my bookcase? I'm sorry I'm such a slob around here, guys. Hi, it's Alan Cable. I was in the dog park a couple of days ago and saw a dog just torturing a woman, dragging her around by the leash. He was out of control. It looked like she was trying to reel in a shark. A lot of folks are at a loss as to how to get their dog to walk calmly on a leash. Today, I'm going to teach you how to do that. Now, for your part, it's going to take some time and consistency. But if you do it in no time at all, your dog will be walking right by your side. What you're going to do is get 10 to 15 feet of leash, maybe two leashes put together or a long rope. Attach it to a pinch collar, a choker, whatever you've got. I like to use the slip choker chain. Now, go into the backyard or to a park that's big enough for you to walk in. You're going to be walking to the four corners of a square, and you're going to have the leash attached to your chest. 
both hands firmly holding on to it. Like the leash is attached to your entire body and your hands are glued to your chest. Now you're going to stand at the corner of your square facing the next corner that you're going to walk to about 60 yards away. Just stand there for about a minute and then just start walking. Take off. Your dog is going to get a major correction. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention this and this is very important. No talking at all while you're doing this. So you're going to be walking really fast and your dog's going to be getting corrections as you walk. You're going to pay no attention to your dog. When you get to the second corner of the square, you're going to face the third corner and just stand there for another 60 seconds. Then take off. Again, your dog's going to get a correction. You're going to do this for about 20 minutes, but you're going to notice after 10, your dog is pretty much starting to pay attention to where you are. And that's because he realizes when you take off, he gets a correction. So he wants to pay attention to you and what you're doing. Now you're going to do this every other day for 20 minutes for about two weeks. Sometime during that two weeks, you're going to notice your dog doesn't get a correction anymore because when you start moving, he's right by your side. You're also going to notice that he's watching you maybe even sitting by your side waiting for you to take off when this happens it's time to go to a six foot leash and you'll do the same thing for another week or two step two next time get more tips at animalradio.com you love your dog is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is maybe they seem slow or lethargic and maybe they just don't have energy wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. That's 800-451-1359. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Your dog's favorite treat company is now in the kibble business. With the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. Your dog loves meat, and Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A fully intact ancient dog was recently found in the ice of Siberia. It is believed to be over 12,000 years old. Imagine that. Scientists have now thawed out the dog and say they are learning a whole lot of things about dogs just because of this one furry find. The specimen is thought to be a now extinct species of dog that went out about 12,400 years ago, to be exact. The dog was so well-preserved in the ice that it still has a fully intact brain that they're studying. Scientists are hoping to better understand the history of man's best friend, and there's going to be an effort to see if there are any breeds that are alive now that have similar genetics, and even if that dog could possibly be brought back from extinction. By the way, back in 2011, a similar species of dog was found, but they say that one was nowhere near as well intact as this one was.
A Colorado woman is trying to get some crowdfunding going now to pay for permanent prosthetics for a baby goat that she's adopted. The goat had suffered from frostbite on its hind legs. The baby goat is able to walk on four legs now, though, thanks to the woman who made a pair of custom prosthetic legs out of PVC and some other things she just happened to have around her home. She adopted the little goat from a meat rancher after it suffered frostbite on its back legs due to paralysis caused by malnutrition. And then a second case of frostbite caused the baby goat, which is named Izzy, to have his back legs amputated from the shin down. Now, his name is Izzy, or it's Is He, and they say that comes from the rescuer constantly being asked, is he going to live through the night? Is he going to be able to walk? Is he going to be able to keep up with his mother and nurse? All that kind of stuff. And by the way, with his homemade prosthetics, Izzy has since learned to walk up to 600 feet on the temporary prosthetics that his mom made him. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. This is Animal Radio, baby. Joey Volani, come over here to the microphone. There you go. Here I am. So what are you working on today? I am working on, we're going to talk about your dog or cat's nails and how they can affect their walking. Oh, yeah. Which reminds me, time for me to do the nails. I, I promise I'll do that today because I hear a lot of clickety clack. It's pretty bad, yeah. Me too. Okay, you know they say that's the the carpenter's closets or the shoemans or the shoemakers shoes. children, children's shoes. Shoemakers children go barefoot. Oh right? yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yep. Let's remind g- me to ask Joey my question about: Is there a way to get nail quicks to go back and be shorter? Oh well, go ahead and ask him oh, that. Can right I answer now. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what you have to do is you have to just keep cutting them down, because what they'll do is they'll keep receding back into the nail bed. So if you just either filed or took off a little bit each week and got them shorter. The shorter that you cut the nail, the, re- the, the quick will recede. Now, this isn't a quick process. This is a process that could take even up to a year, depending on how bad um, you know the dog's quicks are. But it does, it does work. Uh, in the process of cutting it back, does that mean it's going to bleed every time? No, not necessarily. Okay. So, um, see, we try to when it's all possible not to make it bleed unless it's a severe situation where you don't have you don't have a choice um, but what you try to do is you cut the nail and if you look at the center of the nail as you're cutting it the beginning of the quick will start to peek through if it's a white nail it's pink if it's a black nail is a white outer circle and then a black center oh really and that's the beginning of the, of the quick now when you see that it's um what basically what will happen is is the, the the front part of it will die it will die off so it automatically will recede on its own or just keep pulling back into the nail bed each and every time ah uh, you see so you want to cut it short enough so that you see that absolutely because if you don't cut it short enough it'll never recede it'll just keep continue to grow as the nail's growing Thank you, Joey. Ladybug has one of those black nails that I always am fearful of cutting because I, I just don't don't know where the quick is. I can't find it on it. Yeah, but she only has one black nail. Some dogs have all black yeah, nails. Yeah, at least. That's, at least. That's hard. You can't see. Okay. Uh, let's go to the phones for your calls. Toll free for Dr. Debbie or dog father, Joey Villani. Don't forget you can ask your questions from the free animal radio app for iPhone and Android. <laughs>
way, hopefully you know the music by now. It's Vinnie Penn. Two words for you. Pet obituaries. Where are they? Where? Why aren't they? Now, I know some of you out there are probably thinking, Vin, there are. You can go online here. You can Google this, or they've always been here. I'm talking about in the mainstream newspaper of your town, the local newspaper. We buried an uncle of mine a few months ago that the entire family hated. This guy ruined Thanksgiving upon Thanksgiving. He was a miserable old man who fell asleep in the middle of all the revelry and would wake up launching curses in everyone's direction. He terrified the grandkids. And the obit was so loving. And he warmed the cockles of our heart. He was a bright spot on many a snowy, icy Christmas. He was not a bright spot. If he brought the sunshine, he couldn't be a bright spot. I look at some of these obituaries, and they're for people that that their driver's license is the picture they're using, and they've clearly got no one in, in their lives who even gives a damn that they're gone, not to be cold. And I think, why not the pets? Why wouldn't we have obituaries for our pets? When when our dog, when the beloved family dog Cruiser, our mini schnauzer passed, let me tell you something. I could have dedicated two columns to my main man raving about how he brought the family together at a time when my parents were divorcing. He brought love into a house that was devoid of love at this time. And the little in memoriams a year later, they'd break your heart. Instead, you see in memoriams... For guys with faces that you're like, no one could have loved this man. This man doesn't even seem capable of love. And yet out of obligation, here he is saying, it was a year ago today. We lo-, And we're thinking of you today. No, you're not. You're thinking of the fact how you still can't get the smell out of the sofa that he fell asleep in every time he was over your house for the last 30 years. I want pet obituaries. I want them treated with the respect and reverence that we give to family members, human family members, who you had neither for. I mean, R.I.P.? An R.I.P. for your dogs and cats? That's what they do. They rip the sofas. It's perfect. Vinny Penn, Party Animal on Animal Radio. You let me know what you think. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Your dog's favorite treat company is now in the kibble business. With the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. Your dog loves meat, and Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, Brad. How are you? Hi, good. You're on with Dr. Debbie. Hi, Dr. Debbie. Well, hi. How are you today? We have a uh, yellow lab. Uh, He'll be two years old. And uh, uh-huh. he's eating his own stool. Every morning we'll let him out and uh, bring him back in. You know, he goes to the bathroom before he eats, and when he gets done eating, he'll run right back out and eat the pile, you know, as soon as he wow. lets back. Maybe he's into recycling or just trying to save you some money. <laughs> he's he a is. green dog. <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, is that sanitary? If he comes back in, he licks you or whatever, you know, I mean, health problems, mm-hmm. anything like that, what can we do? 
Well, I mean, it's basically a really nasty habit. So, um, but there could be some concerns if, yes, if he's eating his feces and then he's coming over and kissing you in the face, there's the potential for passing um, parasites to people that way. Um, I'd say the first thing we'd want to really work on is some of the motivation for why dogs do this. And it's a great question because we always think that it's a distasteful thing, but dog poop, for some reason, is immensely attractive to, uh, to dogs to eat. Um, it comes from a, like a basic habit that they pick up from their mom when they're little. Um, so we want to intervene with that um, and try to not make it a game. So if you catch them in the act, we're not going to necessarily make a big deal about it and try to um, correct him. We're going to try to redirect that behavior and that attention to something else. So we want to pick up the poop right away. Um, and you also want to um, try to limit his time outside. When he's outdoors, you want to keep him under close observation. So keep him on a leash. Um, keep him close and supervise that potty activity. Some folks have some good results with things like um, cayenne pepper um, or dressing the stool with something really foul tasting as if poop you didn't think <laughs> tasted bad enough. Um, those things may help for some pets. Um, but for others, I'll actually use products called uh, Forbid, Deter. They're basically types of um, supplements that you put into the pet's food that imparts a bad taste to the poop as it comes out the back way. So um, those are very useful. Um, you just have to be vigilant about that. Okay. But really the big thing is when you catch them in the act, we're not going to yell at him because he's okay. going to pick up that turd and oh. run the other way with it and it's going to oh. become a huge game <laughs> yeah you don't want to turn it into but, a game okay. exactly we don't want that and then also want to make sure that you've got brad that you've got your baby on a good deworming program um so if he's not already on a monthly heartworm preventative that has a deworming in it you want to um, make sure he's getting that done because anytime we have this behavior and they're ingesting fecal matter that's um, a potential for that cycle to continue Okay. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Your dog's favorite treat company is now in the kibble business with the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. Your dog loves meat and Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Wayne. I'm ready. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, okay. I was wondering if you guys can help me out. Okay, I have what a, a household with four cats, and they're all female, and they are all spayed, and they're all adult. Okay. And one of the cats has a problem not using the litter box. Uh, at one time, we didn't have a problem, and this just developed over time, and we need to know how to get her to go back in the litter box. Okay, so tell me about your kitty uh, toilet situation. What kind of environment do you have? <laughs> Are there magazines? Um, what do you mean? The lit- the, how many litter boxes? What kind oh. of litter you use? We have uh, four litter boxes. Uh, we have different types because we have uh, different cats and different personalities. We Good. have one that's enclosed, so if a cat wants privacy, they can have that. 
and that's in a room by itself. And then we have three litter boxes in a unused bathroom. Two of them are like jumbo sized. So we have four litter boxes total. And we use a multi-cat cat litter. And, and that's a clumper, clumping yeah. litter? All right. And are your kitties indoors? Always indoors. Okay. And is there any one particular litter box that's the uh, problem where this is happening, or is it happen at any site? At one time, she was using the litter boxes without a problem. In fact, and, and this may have introduced some confusion to her, a couple years ago, we tried to toilet train the cat. But she was the only one that was starting to make progress, and the other cats were not making any progress, and it was just too much to keep up with four cats. So we said, okay, we'll quit with the toilet training, and we'll just go with straight litter. You know, if we had less cats, we we could do it. We noticed, I don't know, a couple months back that she would urinate in the box and saw her literally finish urinating, jump out, go one foot away and then defecate right on the floor by the litter box. Okay. Then mm-hmm. it gets to the point where now we're catching her not even urinating in the litter box. She's found a favorite site for that now. Okay. And where where is she going right now for both her peeing and pooping? Well, for the pooping, she's, she still goes in the same spot, not a foot away from the litter box. Okay. And for the peeing, she started going about four feet away into a sunken living room on the carpeting. Okay. All right. Now, this is going to be a very unusual situation because I'm going to kind of direct you down the, the path of diagnosis very quickly. With cats, there's usually a lot of different factors that affect their litter box use, and they can have a, a substrate preference or an aversion. Uh, they can have problems with the tidiness of the litter box. They can have pain that exhibited once they were in, when, in, when they were in the litter pan and have problems with that memory. Um, and then there's the multi-cat, the um, anxiety and aggression component of things. So getting to the, the root of things, if I have a kitty that is doing their duty, especially if it's both peeing and pooping, close to the box but not in it, I'm going to gear my efforts on the litter box environment. To me, that screams um, either an aversion or there's a preference that we're not meeting to her, her satisfaction. So that kind of puts the behavioral, the, uh, the anxiety-driven problems a little bit on the back burner. Not that it's impossible. But I'd say we really need to focus on this litter box environment. And when you did say that she was um, taking to the toilet training, you know, it is completely possible that could be her preference. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I would say that changing either the litter substrate, um, the litter type, um, or going back and providing a, the toilet training source for her is going to be very important. Um, and, uh, yeah, definitely, especially with her doing this right outside of the box, that is a, a very big thing. And, and for kitties that are very fastidious and that are very uh, particular about that litter pan, they, too, will usually go right outside the box, which is different than a marking behavior or seeking a preference to a different location. It's like they want to go, but they're just... They just can't do it. They just don't like it that much, uh, Dad. So I just would rather really not use it. So I'll just go right here, and I'll, I'll try to do the best I can. <laughs> right. So, and I think you're doing fairly good with the number of litter boxes. Usually the general rule is one more box than the number of cats you have in the house. Um, and at four boxes, you're doing a fairly good job of offering different sources, uh, sites, and different variations and things. Um, and just one other tip that I would say is that um, – 
litter box uh, size is a very important. And you mentioned you have some jumbo size. With cats, we want that to be about um, one and a half times the length of the kitty so that we have ample room to turn around um, because that could also create some aversions. If it's not quite big enough, um, they don't have enough room. And most cats don't like the cover on the litter box. They really don't care about the privacy thing. Um, they they will go w- with us watching or what have you. So I usually to say take off all the covers on litter boxes if we're having issues. And then the other things you might look at, um, litter box location sometimes to us is very uh, routine. We put them in uh, laundry rooms, bathrooms, but sometimes the little things can be annoying to cats. The vibration of the sounds of your wash machine um, something that falls off a shelf and hits a cat when they had a, a litter pan problem. I had a, a client who that happened to. A laundry bucket fell on the cat's head and they didn't want to go back to that room to urinate. Dogs barking, children, things like that. I think there's hope there, Wayne, but uh, you might have to pull out that old uh, toilet setup for your baby. Wow. Did- so your suggestion is probably the toilet site. Um, I'd say, yeah, can I get especially if that. Something? I, I did a little research online before I, I thought about calling you guys. Um, I heard that if you put them like in a cage where they didn't have much room, Mm -hmm. except for the litter pan, food, water, and a place to sleep, that they Mm -hmm. have to go in the box, and then you start giving them more and more room. What do you think right. of that approach? I think that's a, a useful approach if we're having usually more of a marking behavior, um, something that's a territorial in nature. And, and that might work for the short term because she's got no other solution. But if she still has that innate preference, when you get back to that, you, you still may run into a problem when you start to give her more access and more opportunity. Um, so, yeah, that therapy and behavioral medicines are really more used for when there's an anxiety or um, a more of a territorial issue. I'm curious about teaching your cat to use the toilet, and I, I guess that'd be a good thing, <laughs> except in, in the middle of the night if you put the toilet seat down when you came in or something. I mean, that I already have enough trouble with my Ooh. wife telling me which, where to put that toilet seat, you know? <laughs> This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Your dog's favorite treat company is now in the kibble business. With the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. Your dog loves meat and Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome to Hour 2. Now, in Hour 1, we learned about a dog that came in this morning, a lab, what is a lab mix to your office? Who is a hermaphrodite? Is that what they call that? Having- yeah, with having uh, girl parts, which she had ovaries, and then she has uh, girl parts on the outside with a little penis too. And you, you actually took some pictures here. Now I don't, I don't know if we can. Can we post these? We can't post these because it's is it dog porn? It's not really dog I, porn, is it? It's like Ow. sexting, isn't it? 
Do you have her permission? I'll have to get the paw print uh, signed consent form. <laughs> Definitely intriguing all of the animals that you deal with, and especially in Las Vegas, because in Las Vegas, you have more than just the typical dogs and cats. There's a lot of shows out there with a lot of freaky animals, and you, you see your share of iguanas and other animals, don't you? Oh, sure. Yeah, we see a lot of uh, reptiles, birds. People out here love their animals of all sorts and all types. So, um, And the weather's you know kind and conducive for keeping a lot of these species, yep. so they it, like them. Yep. It sure is always warm out there. If you have a question about any one of your animals or for dog father Joey Villani regarding your animal's grooming, uh, we're going to go to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. Also this hour, we're talking to the guy who's invented a chastity belt for dogs. I don't know why, (laughs) but uh, we'll find out all all the details coming up in just a few minutes after your calls from the free animal radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Dr. Debbie. How are you? Oh, hi. I'm wonderful today. What can we help you with today? Well, my husband and I adopted a cat that's an indoor-outdoor cat about four years ago. And Mm -hmm. he's always worn a collar, even when we adopted him or before we adopted him. And we've noticed within the last six to eight months that he's been coming in in the mornings without his collar on. And so the, the first time we thought, well... You know, maybe that's a coincidence. The second time, we got a little suspicious and thought, well, maybe one of the neighbors is concerned about him wearing a collar that has to buckle, Uh and so they're removing it. Then the third time that we put a collar on, we used the the breakaway collar, and he came in last week without his breakaway collar on. And Mm -hmm. we like to have for him to have a collar on with a bell so that we can hear him when he comes in and out of the house. And we think that that's a good idea for him to maybe, uh, you know, so, so maybe the, the birds and the animals can hear it and he can, uh-huh. you know, they'll, the birds will get away from him. So um, we're just wondering, what should we do about this? Well, it's, it's kind of a tricky situation because I've had some cats in my lifetime that have been able to get out of breakaway collars in an indoor situation. That's what they're designed for. I can't explain why the other collars came off, but I, I'd be concerned. Um, we do like to have ID on our pets, especially if they're going outside. But if your kitty is getting into environments where that is coming off or getting snagged up on things, that does put them at risk for you know choking or some kind of injury from that. So right. as much as we want to keep a collar on them... Um, um, you know, if we assume that no human is removing that. Well, um, I, do you think neighbors are removing it, though? You are assuming that. Is that correct? We, are, we assume that a neighbor is removing it because of the, they just don't want the cat to have a, a collar on. How about putting a note on the collar? The new one, <laughs> just putting a little note on it and say, hey, call, let's talk about this before you take the collar off. You know? I like that idea. We could do that. Do you know which neighbor? No. Our cat lives in a, a neighborhood, and we call it an island that is kind of blocked off by by different roads. And so he lives on this, this island, and everybody in the neighborhood knows him because he's out and about so much. I mean, he's a nice cat. He's a very, very nice cat. Does but. a breakaway collar, is that visibly a breakaway collar, or could that look like any other collar? Could the neighbor think, oh, it's just another, another no. collar? No, it looks no, different. No, it, it's definitely a breakaway. You can see that it has a, uh, like a little a snap instead of a buckle. 
So, wow, Doc, uh, this is a tough one. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hal's suggestion about putting some, like, little note or, you know, important identification is included. Um, I would also make sure you do have your Kitty microchip, and it won't mm-hmm. serve, the, serve um, the purpose of having the audible tone, the bell sound, but at least that's another way that you can help ensure that he's your kitty and that he is identified and, heaven forbid, someone picks him up and decides he, they want to have him, um, that there's some ID there. So, you know, I... Good. Fabulous. Good, good. And, you know, the other, I guess the other side of the argument would be the safest thing would be to keep him indoors so that he doesn't even have this problem. So I know that's not always a popular opinion with some cats who are used to this lifestyle of being the outdoor kind of wandering, uh, checking out the neighborhood and, and keeping tabs on his domain. But that would be the only one thing I could say that we would avoid this problem altogether. They live a longer life, don't they, Doc? Generally, is it statistically proven? Definitely. Outdoor cats, um, injury, infectious disease, uh, you name it, it shortens their, almost by 50% shortens Mm. their lifespan. So, yeah, that's my little advertisement to keep them indoors. (laughs) Well, I I think I like the idea of putting a little note on his collar. We'll buy another collar and attach a little note to it and see see what happens. And and, and do the attachment collar because when we adopted this cat from a neighbor who was moving out of town, her only stipulation was that we continue to keep him as an indoor-outdoor cat because that was the way she wanted him to be, and we put in the cat door so that he could come in and out, and so we're going to keep that arrangement. Put the note on, and then, and then let it, call us back. Let us know what happens. We're very curious. And if you're the neighbor, okay. hey, stop it. Yeah, put a bell, put a bell on the little cat door so you can hear the bell when oh, he comes in the, the cat door. Yes. Hey, there yeah. you go. Yeah, that's an idea, too. Uh, okay. Judy actually made me wear a bell at one time because I would sneak around. Yeah, I couldn't find him around the house. I was. So I understand completely you're wanting to have that. And, of course, the birds, it does scare away the birds so that they have a chance to get away. Good idea. I hope it works out. Let me know how it does work out, okay? Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Leslie. We have Tony on the phone. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hi. What's going uh, on? I'm calling because my daughter had originally two dachshunds. And then uh, she had a litter of five, then went on to have, and she kept them. Then she went and had another litter of five. So she had a total of 12, only gave one away because she doesn't have the heart to give any of them away. Why? She she doesn't have the heart to give them away? Okay. No, she loves them dearly and... uh, I don't know. She said that um, she, when she was younger, I had given away her dog, and she was very heartbroken. So she quit. So let me get this straight. You have 11 dogs? Or your daughter has 11 dogs? Yes. Whew. Oh, my goodness. So the first thing I would say is the benefits of spaying and neutering here. I cannot stress enough that we need to intervene and and to get some help for for her household because there is no reason to have repeated breedings um, just for the experience or because she loves dogs. Um, You know, we have to make sure we have reason. She didn't want that to happen. 
Well, it's going to happen. Dogs do that. <laughs> they will reproduce when given the option and the opportunity. It is our job as their human caretakers to make sure that doesn't happen. So we need to take those steps. So whether you have to walk her in to a veterinary office and help get her that help that she needs in making that connection and to make that determination. Um, you know, now some people might be able to keep 11 dogs and to care for them appropriately, but my general feeling is that that is too many dogs for one household um, unless you have support. Now, Octomom and, you know, all those people who have multiple births can attest that you need help to take care of that many beings, whether they're human or animal. So that would be yeah. my concern. So, um, yeah, yeah, we need she to... does not have, you know, if she can't, if she has people come in, but uh, I'm still totally against it, and I can't seem to, you know, talk her into giving any away. Uh, in the meantime, not to mention the cost, and, um, you know, I tell her it's selfish because there isn't any way that you could give enough attention to all those dogs either, besides, exactly. you know, amongst many other things. But um, would you say for the male should be all neutered or... Absolutely. That is the, probably the easiest place to start, is to get those boys taken care of. Now... Rather than the, the females, right. Well, I mean, that's usually an easier fix, if you will, uh, for many households. So that would be one thing to do. Now, the thing that I think we need to really talk about is that you, you've mentioned that, you know, these dogs may not be getting the care that they need. Now, dogs are social creatures, and they really do thrive on interactions with people. And it is pretty difficult, if not impossible, for one person to provide that level of closeness and that social bonding that a dog needs to be really you know, happy and to thrive in their environment. So that would be one big selling point that I would say for her. But I will be honest with you. I think we need to get some help for your daughter in the human healthcare field um, because this has toned to me of a possible hoarding situation. And the situation in that veterinary and human healthcare person to help her out and to see, because as if I were face-to-face -face with her, you know, we could say, okay, why isn't your dog spayed or neutered? Let's go through this. What are the risks? What are the risks of having 11 dogs in the house, not alone fights, infectious disease, parasite control, all of these things, social um, situations just due to overcrowding, all of these things play a role. Whether we want to look at them and recognize them right. or not, they will be there. Right. Uh, parasites is something I also read that, you know, uh, the owners, the humans, can uh, contract them from their pets as well. Absolutely. It is is totally possible. And that's why there's communities that have animal ordinances. There are regulations. So you don't have 25, 40 dogs because it's hard to meet their needs and it can be a human health care risk. So, yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah. Um, we really need to not worry about hurting her feelings. We really need to worry about getting those pets out of there and then hopefully getting the help that she needs to recognize this behavior and, um, you know, hopefully turn that around there. Good luck right. with that. Yeah. We appreciate your call today and, and wish okay. you all the best of luck. It's a tough situation you have to deal with there, but I know, we, I know you're going to do really, the right thing. Yeah, I really thank you for your help, and I'm going to, you know, try to resolve this, hopefully. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Joyce Hewitt on Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your animals. Thank you. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. Your dog's favorite treat company is now in the kibble business. 
with the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. Your dog loves meat, and Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. What is that, the funky chicken that you're doing there? That's a, that's old school. Hey, I learned that in the fifth grade. <laughs> it's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Uh, this next gentleman, this is his second appearance on Animal Radio. We welcome back to the airwaves inventor Dexter Blanche. He's the president of Highly Favored Creations. And what do you guys make over there, Dexter? We make a dog chastity belt. It's the pet anti-breeding system, PAL. A dog chastity belt, the anti-breeding system called PABS, which, yes, sir. which stands for pet anti-breeding system, right? I'm just guessing. Yes, sir. Well, now tell us, uh, what made you feel there was a need for a chastity belt for pets? Well, there was a lot of accidental and unwanted breeding uh, that was happening at the time that I, I, I first invented the product. And being a handler and a trainer myself, there's issues associated with a female coming in season and if you're training her or working her, she has to be isolated, which I found that very unfair and cruel to her. And it also distracted the males to where they didn't have their mind on being trained or handled at all. Uh, here recently, new scientific findings beginning to come out saying that we're spaying and neutering too young. And this product fits great against the juvenile spaying, not allowing hormones and growth place to grow out which is causing debilitating uh, issues as they grow older. Now, that's a, that's a debatable point on certain certain different things. So it, there are some concerns with early spay-neutering, but by the va- far majority of animals, it helps to prevent unwanted pregnancies, um, pets being hit by cars, lost. So uh, we can't say that spaying and neutering is a bad thing. By all means, it can save no. lives. But there are certain animals where we really talk and counsel a pet owner about when's the right time for that pet's needs, right. for their uses, right. and their potential lifetime risk for various diseases. So we can't oversimplify this. How does this whole thing work? I'm just trying to get my head around it. Does it, it's, it obviously straps on, and it's like uh, Dr. Debbie said earlier, where there's a will, there's a way. It's a rear-end um, harness uh-huh. uh, uh, made out of polypropylene uh, straps that's very durable, uh, and it has a mesh covering over the female's vulva area. She can defecate over the top of it, and she can urinate through the mesh to never have to be taken off and be exposed to being bred if you don't want her to. Uh, it comes with a pocket for a sanitary pad for the uh, the bleeding during the early stages of the heat cycle to protect flooring and furniture, maybe your car seat, if you want to give her a ride. So that it, it's an eight-point buckle system, basically, that keeps her, her rear end and her bulb covered. And this is just for dogs? It's just for dogs right now. 
um, we've had inquiries as far as Istanbul or Turkey about for camels. So <laughs> I, 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 I told him if he would send me his camel, I would send it back with the chastity belt on. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are you located? We're, I'm in Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport. Um, yes, sir. I, I love Shreveport. I've been through there several times. Now, tell me, last well, time we talked to you, which I believe was in 2010, that was about six years ago, you had mentioned you yes. were going to be working on a dog bra at that time. Do you remember that? <laughs> that's what you said. I, do, I did say that, and I do remember it. Uh, and that's, that was for females that uh, uh, you want to show maybe that had puppies or something, and you could, after she weaned the puppies, you could hurry up and... Uh, help draw them up but this has been so overwhelming from selling product all over the world this is a very specialty niche market we've been just too busy to you know actually do anything else with selling product in 90 plus countries sure sure 90 plus countries i think you know pabs is uh it's a good name but i think you know you're you're into the uh not lingerie but the undergarment business and you know victoria's secret did very well i'm thinking maybe dexter's secret would actually might <laughs> Might sell I like more. That. Really, I like that. <laughs> I'm just throwing I like that, that a lot. Just throwing that out there. That's free, by the way. You can take that idea and run with it. <laughs> I like that, man. Uh, okay. So, if pe- if people want to get a chastity belt for their dog, how do they do that? How much does it cost, first of all? Uh, we, they retail for forty nine ninety nine. Okay. Um, you can go to the website at uh, papsforpets.com. And order a chastity belt, and we'll try to get it out of here fast as possible because most of the people see the blood and they want it right then. So it has to get out of here fast. Yeah, I understand that. Okay, okay. before you go, what is your saying? Stop it, block it, lock it. The pet anti-breathing system. Stop it, block it, lock, lock it. it. Yes. I love it. Okay, Dexter, thank you so much for spending time with us today. The website, Pabs for Pets. Don't forget, we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Dexter Blanche, the president of Highly Favored Creations, joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll head back to the phones for your calls in just a couple of seconds here. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A British woman who thought the vibration she was feeling was her cell phone was surprised to find the vibrations coming from her bra. And even more surprised to find the vibrations coming from a baby bat. 19-year-old Abby Hawkins wore the bra for five hours while working as a hotel receptionist before finding the baby bat. She said she was shocked but felt bad for disturbing the cuddly bat who looked cozy and comfortable, adding she perhaps could have left it in there and given him a good home. Hmm. Hawkins doesn't know how the bat got in there. She said she had had a drink or two the night before and got dressed quickly that morning. The bra was in a drawer but had been on the clothesline the day before. The bra bat, which had scampered under a desk, was captured by a co-worker and set free. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, this is Iron Chef Cat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. 
Okay, yes, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the animal radio studio stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the animal radio studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Last week, we wrapped up Pet Theft Awareness Week. And you know what? It worked. We're now aware of the most stolen dogs in America. Now, not in any order here, but these 10 breeds are stolen far more than any others. They include Chihuahuas, Yorkies, French Bulldogs, some of which are then resold for as much as $4,000. Pomeranians, they say resale is about $3,000 after it's stolen from you. Maltese dogs are also on the most often stolen pet list, as are Boston Terriers, Labradoodles, Pit Bulls, German Shepherds, puppies, by the way, of German Shepherds go for about 2500 and also the number one breed in the country, of course, on the list, the Labrador Retriever. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Hi, it's Alan Cable. Last time we talked about getting your dog to walk calmly on a leash. Let's do a review. You're going to be walking to the four corners of a square, and you're going to have the leash attached to your chest, both hands firmly holding onto it. Like the leash is attached to your entire body and your hands are glued to your chest. Now you're going to stand at the corner of your square facing the next corner that you're going to walk to about 60 yards away. Just stand there for about a minute and then just start walking. Your dog is going to get a major correction. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention this, and this is very important. No talking at all while you're doing this. So you're going to be walking really fast and your dog dog's going to be getting corrections as you walk. You're going to pay no attention to your dog. When you get to the second corner of the square, you're going to face the third corner and just stand there for another 60 seconds. Then take off. You're going to do this for about 20 minutes, but you're going to notice after 10, your dog is pretty much starting to pay attention to where you are. And that's because he realizes when you take off, he gets a correction. So he wants to pay attention to you and what you're doing. Now you're going to do this every other day for 20 minutes for about two weeks. Sometime during that two weeks, you're going to notice your dog doesn't get a correction anymore because when you start moving, he's right by your side, probably watching you. When this happens, it's time to go to a six-foot leash, and you'll do the same thing for another week or two. Okay, so now that you've got the six-foot leash, you're going to start using the heel command when you start walking, and then you're going to stop and use the sit command. So your dog becomes accustomed to sitting whenever you stop. You're going to do this for about a week. Now you're ready to start introducing distractions like other dogs and trees. For instance, while your dog is healing, you start walking towards another dog, a distraction. When your dog starts to get excited, you let the slack in the leash go, turn the opposite direction, and walk very quickly away so that he gets a correction. Then you repeat the exercise. Use all kinds of distractions that you know your dog gets excited by. Walk with your dog at heel so that a tree comes between you and your dog and the leash gets wrapped around it. He'll get a correction and learn to move to the left closer to you when there's a tree. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. Oh, oh. And I want- 
Hey, it's Vinny Penn on Animal Radio coming to you with the Party Animal segment. I'm, I'm, I know I'm way late in this one, but I still can't get over it. Uh, seeing in the news a ways back, a big story going on about people who were leaving everything to their pets. The new, new movement in their wills, they were leaving everything to their pets. And is, is that allowable? Should you be able to do it? Uh, or maybe it was a local story to my neck of the woods, Connecticut, but I don't think so. But if it is new to you, or if you do know it, what are your thoughts on this, leaving everything to your pet? On the one hand, the miserable, bitter 41-year-old me loves it because it's like you're sticking it to so You're sticking it to your brother. You're sticking it to your sister. You're sticking it to your spouse. Like, I hereby leave everything to Rover. So take that. My 22-year-old beagle gets everything. You get nothing. But then there's another part of me that's keenly aware of the fact that a pe- that the people who are leaving everything to their pets are like in love with the dog and just want the world to know how much they love them and can the dog comprehend the real estate market, how much he can get for the house? I, I mean is the dog going to put the the house for sale? Um and stand out in front, and it w- would he be able to throw an open house? I don't know. Where does it go from there? Then again, I mean, what, what other pets are you leaving everything to? Are you leaving it to the cat? I mean, cats are territorial as it is. I got a gut feeling cats, they're sharp creatures. They'll know, like, this is mine. So when that pissed-off sibling comes in and decides to ignore the wishes of the deceased, everybody's got a sibling who ignores the wishes of the deceased, especially when it's a parent. And they come in and say, screw that. You know, this was mommy's and I'm taking it even though she left it to you. That cat is going to drop on her back from the ceiling like a ninja. Never let her out of the house with grandma's necklace. Leaving everything to your pet. You left your brain, leave your brain to your pet. Donate your organs, major or, well, then again, anybody who's going to do that, what good is that brain? Vinny Penn, Party Animal on Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Phones are ringing white hot to talk to Animal Radio's dream team. That's Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Volani with your animal questions. Whether your uh, animal is a hermaphrodite, which uh, you have plenty of experience with, we're just finding out today, as you just had one in your office earlier. Uh, quite an interesting picture there. I don't know if we want to share the picture, it's, but yeah. It, it's it's odd. It's peculiar, but I think it'll get people talking like, this really happens in animals? Yes, it does. Yeah. Is it frequent or? It's not very frequent. No. Is this no, the first it, time? It's a rarity. For you? No. No. I've seen other ones um, in my years of practice. Um, so <laughs> how, how many years was that? <laughs> Something like that. Hey, Bertha. Welcome to Animal Radio. Thank you. I have Dr. Debbie right here. What's going on with your pet? Oh, Daisy has fleas. She picked him up. She picked him up over the winter, and I just can't. I'm at my wit's end. I can't get rid of him. All right, where are you at? What what part of the country? We're in northern Wisconsin. Okay. Hey, I was just up in that area, up in the Crivets area. Oh, okay. We're a little further north than that. We're right up by Lake Superior. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I had a great time with those cheese curds and and beer, of course. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, yes, yeah, so fleas. Okay, so are, are you battling that with any kind of products? She's on Frontline Plus. Okay, what, and are, are you having any success or any issues well, with that? Well, what happened is we spent the winter in southern Texas where it was warm, and she picked them up there, and I started her on Frontline there, and we thought she was flea-free when we came home, and then they just reappeared. I took her... I took her to the vet, to my vet here at home, and um, they gave me some new Frontline and um, told me to go home and use it. And but that's been two months now, and she's still. Um, I comb fleas off her every day. Okay, yeah, and you know, there's there's definitely some talk out in the veterinary world, and a lot of different sides will debate whether or not we're seeing any particular resistance of fleas to some of the common uh, flea and tick products out there. So, um, you know, again, it, it, there's some debate out there. But for any pet, I see that if we're having, if we're using flea control products, and we're very comfortable that that's being used appropriately, meaning on the the right time, frequency, and we're sure that the pet is getting the medication appropriately. If we're still seeing fleas after two months, for me, I think it's time to look at another product. Um, whether or not it's flea resistance or some other factors, we have other um, environmental issues, uh, you know, reinfestation from the environment. Um, but still, I'm a little superstitious, and I might look at trying another product. Um, so as far as um, you know, fleas, uh, ticks, all that type of thing, I'm I'm actually a fan of using Advantage in Ad- Advantix too. Um, same kind of topical type thing. You might. Give that a whirl. See if that gives your your pet a little bit more relief. Um, and uh, you know, really, it's just kind of a matter of uh, making sure that you're also staying up with things like the flea combing, vacuuming that environment, and um, being very diligent and making sure we're treating all the pets in the household. So that if you've got any cats, uh, rabbits, uh, ferrets, um, that we need to make sure we're treating anyone that might be a reservoir for the fleas inside the home. Um, and this doesn't mean sorry. That's my puppy trying to play with my microphone. Um, hazard of the job here with a puppy on my lap. Um, uh, but, yeah, so we want to make sure we do treat everybody in the household there. Okay. We, we have no other pets, and I, I have been vacuuming and washing the bedding because she jumps up on the bed and sleeps with us. And Yeah, it's frustrating. It's a battle. And, um, you know, that's why I thank the Lord that I live in Las Vegas because we have very few fleas. Because we know one flea could actually lead up to 600 offspring within just one month's time. Oh, so they yeah. really have this ability to just exponentially uh, reproduce in the environment. And they're, they're tough little boogers. They can jump 100 times their height. So, you know, 18 to 10 feet off the pet um, is very easy and doable in their environment. So, you know, we're battling some really tough little critters. It's kind of like the cockroaches in like the big cities, you know, you can't get rid of them. But you might try some of those other products and see if that does you some better good. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so much, Bertha, and good luck with those fleas. Uh And then have some curds for me. I'm missing them already. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do that. Thank you. Hi, this is Dean Koontz on Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your pets. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic. And maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? 
You can't buy Pet Joy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call Pet Joy right now. 800 451 1359. 800 with the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. Your dog loves meat, and Red Barn loves your dog. Visit redbarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say... You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Still reeling over our last interview with Dexter Blanche, inventor of the dog chastity belt. Yeah, we got to take us a few minutes to get over that one. Well, there's so much controversy over early spay and neuter now. Well, it really depends on the animal. For small breeds of dog, um, it's not necessarily something that we, we recommend for decreasing the risk of uh, cruciate ligament injury or certain cancers. A lot of these things are more in large breed dogs that we're uh-huh. talking about. How does spay or neutering affect their cruciate ligament injury chances? You know, I was going to ask that, and all I was thinking was that maybe that they're not chasing after other no, animals? Growth no, oh, there's a growth plate. Yeah, right? it relates to how they grow from the bones. So they tend to get, ah. um, earlier spayed neutered dogs tend to grow more lanky and long in the bone. And um, they're more prone to the ligament injury than those that grow with a more typical growth rate. Okay. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, now's the time to call. Don't forget, if you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They're Kindle books over at Amazon.com. And we have links from AnimalRadio.com. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And before we go to talk to Dr. Debbie, I got a little thing for uh, Joey. Okay, jo- Joey. He's. Uh, I don't think he can hear me. But he's wh- over there eating donuts, probably. What? What is it? Oh heck! Well, you're all trying to figure out a thing for an intro for Joey. How about Joey's clip tip for a happy, healthy pet? Joey's clip tip. I like it. Joey's clip tip. <laughs> You know, you can always you can always do it. Hey, it's time for Joey's clip tip for yeah. the healthy and happy pet. Steve, was that your Italian accent? Uh, well, I'm not. I'm Hungarian and Irish and Cherokee, so <laughs> there's no Italian in me. Okay, Guido, Guido, make sure make sure that Joey hears that tip there from Steve. Steve, what, how can we help you today? Well, now that you've my, helped us. Well, my Boston Terrier. I was going to talk to Doctor Debbie. I wanted to ask about uh, he. Keeps picking up his right, left rear leg every once in a while, like it's hurting him. But okay. I have gone and I've looked at it, manipulated his little foot, and it doesn't seem to bother him. And I felt up his leg, and like when you get to the knee, instead of being nice and even going around at times, you can actually run your fingers around, and then there's an indentation. Mm, I'm okay. just wondering if that might be a dislocated knee at any point in time it might slip back and forth 
Gosh, you know, Steve, you are so good, man. I'm going to give you your an instant veterinary degree here because you're very close <laughs> to diagnosing this. From what you're describing, what I really think of in small breed dogs, when we have problems in the back leg where they kind of have that intermittent lameness where they kind of pick up their leg and almost skip on it and then put it back down, what I really think about is a luxating kneecap or a luxating patella. And you might actually feel an indentation where that kneecap should be when it pops out of place. So yeah, if you're feeling that, um, and, and some dogs that can be a very subtle thing in others, it's, it's a smack in the face. It's very obvious, but you know, if your pet is actually having some limping related to this, then I would encourage you to get a good checkup and maybe some x-rays because with luxating patellas, in some cases we'll go with medications and in other cases, really surgery would be very important to help prevent the onset of a advanced arthritis and even deformation of that leg um, well, but yeah the knee- another thing that was another thing i was going to ask you because i can actually notice when i'm walking behind him that his little left foot will pigeon toe in and and you're, you're what you're describing is already kind of into the the upper grades of a possible kneecap luxation when that happens the forces on the kneecap are kind of pulling things inward so the lower part of the leg can rotate and actually become deformed so it's not too late to you know to intervene if you're seeing that but it would warrant definitely to have that looked at um for milder cases like i said some things like joint supplements rest weight management um, arthritis medicines, things like that. But otherwise, uh, surgery is actually very useful for a certain population of dogs and can make them very comfortable afterwards. So, yeah, I would definitely get it. He's like two and a half. He's not overweight. He's got a really good form to him. And uh, it doesn't seem, you know, he doesn't whimper or nothing. And just like when I was messing with it, it doesn't seem to hurt him. And I'm hoping it's something that doesn't need surgery. Yeah, well, certainly I would hope so, too. Now, the interesting thing, and I always will point this out, is we always, as humans, expect our dogs to cry when their legs hurt them. And they're just not going to do that unless you've really got a broken leg or something really over-the-top painful. But for pets with chronic arthritis or chronic orthopedic problems, you're not going to have a dog vocalizing about that problem. If you see any abnormal movement, any limping or change in the way they move, that's your sign. That is the sign that something is not right. So don't hold out for the crying or you're going to miss a very important part where um, he is painful, but in a milder case. So. See, animals are so much smarter and they don't cry and they, they, they handle things so much more maturely than any human would. Well, you know, it's, it's nature because in the wild they couldn't show weakness because then they would be preyed upon. You know, I learned so much on this show. Okay, the dogs want to get out for their walks. I've noticed they're all uh, clawing at me right now. <laughs> To get outside. So we're going to take them out. Hopefully you'll do the same. Take your cats out. Put them on a leash. Take them out for a little walk or your iguanas. Whatever you have. Your flamingos. Flamingos need to get exercise too. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful day. Probably where you are. And it's time to get out and spend some time with your animals. Because that is the best present you can give them. Is your time and your love. Don't forget, if you need your fix, visit us over at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, and we'll catch you next week right here for more Animal Radio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. And remember to do something great for a shelter dog this week. True Dad. This is Animal Radio Network.